And we're live. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, Terry Mixon, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Sure. I'm a veteran as well. I'm a science fiction author that's written... 30 some odd books, both individually and co-written them. And I used to be a contractor at NASA for about 20 years. All right. And so the next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we found them. So I actually found them back in the time when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. Uh, we were dodging hungry T-Rexes and started talking about books and the rest, as they say, is history. That's how you remember mm, it too? Dinosaur steaks. That's exactly how I remember it. All right. And now we, we changed the religion question just for you. But I know you're going to be heretical and get it wrong. So, Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, or Stargate Universe? Hmm. I think I'm going to go with the original Stargate. The movie? I liked the movie, but um, I prefer the TV series. After after the first season, it, it needed a little breaking in. I made the mistake of not previewing it and watching it with my son, figuring, oh, it's 80s and 90s TV. It's bound to be okay. And then the first, uh, the first made-for-TV movie, the two-hour block before the season started, full frontal nudity. I'm like, ooh, cover your eyes, kid. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, that was not expected. Uh, and since you got the uh, the last one wrong, because everyone knows Stargate Universe is awesome. Um, Star Excuse Wars. Excuse me, I need to disconnect this call. Apparently, there's something <laughs> wrong here. Star uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Ooh, Star Trek. Why? Because Firefly, you know, who cares? You know, there we go. There's there's some heresy right there. And um, Star Wars, eh, it's trash. The first three were good. Everything that came after that was a little so-so. But I did like Clone Wars, if you watch the, the cartoons that Disney put out. So. It's, I haven't, I have, I've, the Mandalorian was good. Eh, everything else, I'm not so sure. I watched season one of The Mandalorian, and then I budgetary reasons I had to cancel Disney Plus, so I have not gone back to finish. But, okay, that's fair. And then, because we are polytheistic, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, or The Wheel of Time? Lord of the Rings. Don't mind him. He's just got cats going crazy in the background. I need to spray some cats. <laughs> All right. I'm busy. So we... We here at the Blasters and Blades love both the fantastical and the scientific. So what was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy? Science fiction, although I read a lot of fantasy when I was younger. Do you remember what your first um, engagement with speculative fiction writ large was? Was it sci-fi or was it fantasy? I'm almost certain that it was Lord of the Rings, probably The Hobbit to begin with. Okay. I don't know how old you were. Did you watch The, the Hobbit that did the old style cartoon that came out back in, I think, the uh late 70s? I saw it, but I think my first introduction was the printed word. Okay. So what is it about speculative fiction writ large as a genre that you love? I like telling stories. And that's a great way to tell stories that are fun, cool, and different than just wandering down the street. Okay. So how did your love of speculative fiction as a genre transition into you writing stories in the space? You say you love I telling stories. How did that start? I... I'm a longtime role player. I do tabletop role playing games and did a lot of them back when I was in the army in the eighties. And that helped me with making characters and making stories and, and telling interesting stories. 
the way I got started writing is I got tired of not reading the kind of stories that I wanted to read. So I said, I'd just write it my own self. Okay. So many uh, authors will let their own real life experiences influence the stories they tell. Were there any specific formidable moments that shaped the kind of stories you tell? No. No? No, not just the sum of your big, parts? Just lots of little bitty pieces parts that all come together. Okay. So you mentioned uh, that you served in the U.S. Army. So we'll ask, we ask all the authors who are veterans this question, but how do you feel like your time in uniform shapes the kind of stories you tell? It definitely adds some um, truth to the basis of writing stories that have military in it, because there's a certain mindset that you just cannot deal with unless you've actually been there. Fair. So when you enlisted uh, back in the 80s, was it, uh, were you olive drab or did you come in at the BDUs switchover? BDUs. Okay. Was it the uh, the vest or the web suspenders for your, for your combat? Web suspenders. Okay. All right. So when you write these military stories, do you ever draw from people you knew in real life from when you served? Maybe bits and pieces. Nobody in specific that I'm intentionally mimicking. Okay. So you were in the wacky form of the Airedale side of things. So you played with helicopters. Those people weren't quite right anyway. Uh, so my my first AIT we did, our, our school at Fort Eustis, Fort Eustis, for those of you who don't know, uh, was right next to some of the helicopter mechanics. And so they were some unique characters. I'll agree with that. Were you one of those unique characters or were you the normal one? <laughs> I was one of those unique characters. You're supposed to say you're the normal one and pretend. Uh, not at this late date. No, sorry. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about how your time in the Army affects the stories as you tell them. How do you think it affects the way you engage with content? What do you mean by that? So do you think having served in the military affects the way you engage with stories, say, if they are about military uh, or just have military stuff in them? It's enough that... If there's something ridiculous in the story, I'll put it down. Okay. Are you one of those? Because you're also a gun nut. I mean, a gun aficionado. Does, what? Does, the, <laughs> does, the, uh, does that uh, affect the way you read too? Do you ever like count bullets and be like, oh no, he shot too many times, that kind of stuff? I don't count the bullets, but I have noted every time somebody's had a safety on a Glock. <laughs> I'm not much for pistols. I prefer long arms, but even I know that. And it really annoys me when you've got an automatic pistol and they go click when they pull the trigger. You didn't notice the slide is locked back? That's that's odd. <laughs> I think too many people get their gun facts from uh, badly done movies, and it shows. Yeah, sadly, this is true. But I, not everyone is in a place where they have ready access to guns. I get some of that, some of the European countries. So they get at least a little bit of uh, leeway with me. But if you're American, so what, you've what got What qualifies as ready access? You know, as an American, I have very firm views on what is ready access to firearms uh, a lot of places it's onerous levels of regulation to get access to a gun to fire even at a gun club for target practice uh, layers of red tape and, and that sort of thing so uh, i have been told at least like in england for instance if you're not of means it's really hard to to have time for that so or have you don't funds. actually mean reach out and lay your hand on a gun at any time no i mean at all i mean look at for instance australia they seized all of them you know, so it's well, they turned them in. I don't 
you know, I mean to imply they just stole. Well, them they had the no choice about turning them in. So yeah, right. That. But uh, just just using that as an example of you know, if you're not if you don't have easy access to get it, I give you a lot more slack when you get the stuff wrong. So I'll buy that. All right, but this is not the gun hour, so we will move on. What? So, oh no, I'm on the wrong on. podcast. You're on the wrong podcast. So transitioning from the writing side, let's talk about things from the fan angle. So have you gotten any cool fan art, or had anybody cosplay your characters yet? I've gotten one piece of fan art that somebody took my book and painted it on a brick. And because you asked about it, I wouldn't even got it give off the shelf. Give me just a second. I'm going to give you solo layout so they can see it. It is glorious. And I salute whoever did they that. They even wrote the stuff on the back. That is impressive. And if you drop it on them, you can you know defend your house with it. You know, when it I throw the book brick. at somebody, I really throw the book at somebody. <laughs> it's, it's a fully automatic assault brick. So that is that is impressive. Uh, has he does he like sell the, or he or she? Do they like do that for sale now, or was it just a? I haven't the slightest idea. It's been a number of years, and I don't have any continuing contact with them. They so reached out of the blue and said, "I want to send you this," and I said, "Okay." So if that was you, you could reach out. If you start selling them, there are a lot of people that would buy that kind of stuff from you. So just uh, just let us know. Uh, now you can't change that book cover, or the brick is wrong. It's truth. So. Has um has anyone done any of the cosplay? I know that might be a little more difficult because you're um how do I say this? I'm not very you're... description heavy, so you know that's no. it's a little bit out there for that. <laughs> Someone would have to take creative license. I mean, you've described the color of the uniforms, but you leave a lot to the imagination. And I know it's a popular style. I'm more of the Tolkien fan. Describe everybody in a glass blade. And in 14 20. pages, we will describe this bush. Yes, <laughs> and I will be happy. Uh, you just got to inscribe or describe the important things. But anyway, so has uh, has anyone tried cosplay for it yet? No, not that I know of. Okay. I'm not that popular, man. I don't know. Who do you think I am? David Weber? No. No, but you don't write waves of missiles. So so you write the pew-pews and the lasers. I don't, drop enough, like I don't drop enough missiles to be on that radar. No, you do not. So has anyone ever asked for your autograph? Yes, I've signed a few books. Uh, do you remember the first time someone asked you to sign one of their books? I'm pretty sure it would have been at the 20 books conference, maybe the first year. Not sure. Wow. You had already been writing for a little bit after that. I had at that but, point, you know, I'm a writer. I don't go out and meet people that might actually have read my stuff. Nobody's written into you and said, Hey, can I buy a signed copy? Actually? No, nobody's ever asked. Well, maybe if I you want to sign up for sale on Etsy. Now you know you can reach out and say, hey, sign my dang book, yo. And, yo. And he'll, make, he'll make Donna like do everything for him, and then he'll sign it. Yeah. That's, that's how that works, I'm right? Mm-hmm. All right. So <laughs> finally, uh, what is the weirdest or funniest story uh, about an interaction with a fan since you started writing? Obviously, keep it family friendly. Hmm. I think the strangest interaction is you. You know, you keep badgering me to come on your podcast. You keep. This is you know, true nagging me about how my covers don't look right even though you're colorblind that's pretty much it <laughs> one comment on one book review and you just never let it go hey what kind of guy do i look like of course i'm gonna never let it go you criticize the cover when you can't see the colors well then i criticize as i saw it i still like it i still, obviously i reread your books <sighs> And then because my memory is Swiss cheese, every time you put a new one, I end up starting from the beginning and listening from book one all over again. If you start getting up there in like the 20s and 30s, I might be in trouble. 
I'm going to start writing book 15 probably early next month. So you're in big trouble, mister. Yeah, I just bought the latest um, the latest audiobook that Veronica put out. And I, had, I listened to the beginning. I'm like, I don't remember. So I'll probably only go back one book this time. But I had, I had caught up with you up until the latest one. So Well, thank you. All right. So this is where we talk about everything you have written, Terry. So can you give us the Reader's Digest a body of Ooh, highlight Everything. Reel? Every single thing I've ever written. How I mean, long we're not going to talk about your Chuck Tingle <laughs> stuff. Just, just Terry Nixon. <laughs> I've written a number of short stories, been in a pile of anthologies. I've written the Empire of Bones series, 15 books, Humanity Unlimited, five, four, 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 five. I think he's got five couple of singletons that the series never took off and i teamed up with glenn stewart to write uh five books in his uh vengeance series or vigilante series i think is the actual name and i've got a new series with uh jn cheney called the last hunter that i'm busy writing book three on and book two comes out in a week you know you've arrived when you have more than you can remember do you like keep a spreadsheet so you know I used to keep a spreadsheet, then I stopped. It got to be too much work to update it? I I got to that point in my writing career where it was no longer important to me. All right. So obviously all of that sounds fascinating, but today we brought you on to talk about your story, Warfish, in the Blaster Bolt e-zine, which is um, thank you uh, to Mike Lafferty over at Fainting Oak Games, the sponsor for today's episode. Um, I, I have to say I've badgered you forever in a day to get that back on the market after you pulled it. It is yeah. one of my favorite short stories. Um, and I read it every so often because I like it that much, the, the way you you used submarine warfare as an analog for space and made it believable um, without being ridiculous. So where did you get the premise for that story? How did you come up with the idea? Well, there's a book by the same name, Warfish, that was written about World War II uh, submarining. And the story came, it was very much directly inspired by uh, Lieutenant Commander Gritter, who was the commander of a submarine, or I guess he was a commander by the time he was done, uh, during the war. And so I pulled a lot of details from his stories and made them space. So by the war, you mean World War II? Yes. Okay. You mean there's been All a right. war since World War II? Yeah, just a few. Although oh, okay. technically we haven't actually declared war. So there's just been policing actions, lots of them. So we are going to take a moment and we're going to look at that glorious cover. Uh, that it's is pretty. The, it is. He, Mike Lafferty with, uh, with his fainting goats stuff, man, he got, he got some good art for that. So did you get any say in that art process or did they just no. slap it up there and you say it's pretty? They slapped it up there and I say it's pretty. Okay. Well, I'm going to zoom in so you can see it's got some of the, some of the markings that make it so pretty. And uh, if you get to find a copy at Wall, uh, Kmart, it is only $2.94. That's an X-Mart, my friend. Oops. Well, we were all supposed to see Kmart with the X-Mart so they don't get sued. At oh, that time. oh. So is there like, should there be like a flashing blue light on there somewhere? Probably the blue light special is going on. So... Uh, what would your 30-second elevator pitch for that story be? That story would be, I don't know. I'm terrible at elevator pitches. I would say it is my version of the silent service taken into space. That's it. Okay, you clearly I'm terrible don't write at marketing. Enough. See, terrible, awful. 
You just don't ride enough elevators, apparently. Apparently not. I never have to actually make an elevator pitch. All right. So what do you think that makes this story special on all of the stories about space combat? I think it's special because it's reaching back to the roots of modern combat. You're talking, taking elements of something that was the last war that was fought militarily using what could be qualified as modern technology. If you don't count the police actions, this was something that engulfed the entire world and it has meaning. And being able to take that and translate it into science fiction was both a privilege and an honor. Okay. Um, so does this story fit into a larger universe or does it stand alone? It could have been. It could have. I could easily have written a series that would have covered everything that was going on there. But who has time? Clearly not you with 30 plus books that you're writing. But maybe when you write 35, you can go back. So, Yeah, it seems like every year I've got more on my schedule. So that's hard. Okay. So what would it take to get you to revisit the universe where this story takes place? Piles and piles of money. I mean, do we have a figure? No, Fort Knox works, though. You know, you start bringing up Fort Knox, Fort Knox kind of money. I'm just deciding, talk. like, if I mortgage the house, do I have enough? I really liked it. But, uh, you know. Keep your house, family. my friend. Keep your house. <laughs> so what tropes do you play on when you, uh, when you wrote this story? I played on the whole beneath the ocean. I used subspace. So you're slipping be underneath reality into a different sphere that's like a it's like close to our universe but not quite there and i particularly had a lot of fun figuring out how the periscope was going to work sticking from one universe to another it was enjoyable i think i think everyone should go out and get this and, and give it a read I, I recommend it like i said all the time i still have my version on the kindle that i downloaded just to make sure they can't take it away from me uh, but it's that good so somewhere, somewhere out there, I originally did a, a podcast of it with sound effects and I have no really? idea. I don't have it. I don't actually have the files for it anymore. I think I put it on the dead robot society at some point, but I don't personally have those files anymore. It's, it's long lost. I've been listening to the podcast since probably 2016 and I don't remember it. And that would have stuck I out wrote the story, gosh, 2013, 2012, something like that. And I made the podcast shortly thereafter. Okay. Well, if you find it, dear listeners, uh, when we share this, put it in the comment section because I'd like to give it a listen. Uh, did you narrate I'll, it or did I'll you get look at, I, I narrated it myself and did the sound effects myself. So I'll have to see if somewhere on one of my old hard drives I actually still have that particular file lurking there. I haven't gone looking for it. I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned this. That is awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to search too from the uh, dead robots archives and I will link to the, uh, the dead robot society podcast in the show notes. So if you want to check it out, it is enjoyable. If you like, not just, you know, if you don't want to be a writer, but you just like knowing how stuff is created, it's still fun. I think. Um, I don't We've think definitely everyone... moved into just being writers talking about creativity as opposed to specific writing issues, except for whatever we're covering that week. Yeah, it's it's more um, stream of consciousness at this point, I think. It is. And sometimes with Paul, that can be a little scary. I'm just saying the man's a little touched. But uh, so what genre uh, or subgenre do you think this story would fit into? This would be definitely military science fiction. 
And what is it about military science fiction that appeals to you? As a former soldier, I think I, I have a connection of, of some kind of weird connection to where I like reading about that type of story. Okay. Relive the glory days as it were. Well, I never actually got to, to go to war and fight, so I can't relive the glory days that I never had. I mean, but you got to play with helicopters and do cool I stuff. Did. So I got to blow up things on the training range. That is fun too. And nobody shoots back. So that's always a plus. All right. So uh, we've talked a little bit about the war, uh, Warfish. And I think because it's a short story, you know, I don't want to dive too deep because if we did, it'd be all kinds of spoilers. So what else are you working on right now? I am in the process of writing up book three in the last Hunter series right now. I'll probably have it off to the publisher at the end of this month. So what's the premise of that universe? We'll, we'll just go with book one. So if people haven't started it, they can kind of get an have idea. Have you seen the, the movie Battleship? I have. That actually is something of the flavor of that story. It's having to take a museum that used to be a powerful warship and take it to war because it's the only hope to save humanity. I'm assuming it's a spaceship, though, because it's sci-fi. Oh, it is. A okay. kilometer-long asteroid with more weapons than you can count. If it actually was all put together, had a crew, and people weren't trying to just cut his legs out from under him while he's trying to build it back up. Do you have lines in there like, that's no moon, baby? I did not put that line in there, no. Probably good. But thanks for, for warriors, asking. But... <laughs> So do you take your level of uh, irreverence with a little bit of, you know, fun quips or a little bit straighter shooting? Because Jay and Chaney can go either way. So it's hard to judge with his writing. He could be serious um, and he could be, you know. I have been known to put some quips of my own in there. Yes. Okay. So is this one um, tighter on the action or is it more, you know, longer arching saga like Empire of Bones? Longer arching saga. Okay. It's definitely space opera with strong military flavor. So what level of description might we expect? Is it about on par with what you normally do? Because I know it Jay, is. It's uh, on par with what I normally do. Although I'll admit that I described the uniforms that they had to wear in more detail than I usually do. Did you go with um like what what did you go with for your inspiration for that? I went with old style naval uniforms, you know, great coats and 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 the hats with the peaked caps that you know if you watch star blazers <laughs> you know you're not too far off in in my description of that uniform and that i'll admit hilarious. that for the um for the dress uniforms i definitely went way fancier and more like uh i don't know maybe almost anime-ish type um uniforms did you have to sell jeff on that one or did cheney go with it right off the bat i slipped it in when he wasn't looking <laughs> so are you using your normal editors for this or did you use uh the it's all the variant. variant it's all variant okay mm -hmm. his uh, i think molly edits for him he, he she does good work i've worked with her before so how long do you see the series going i think the last time we talked and uh, he said we, we since he said it publicly i can say it as well i think that uh you know we're we're looking at a minimum of six to eight books with targeting 12 and who okay. sees we'll, we'll see what goes on beyond that. 
Is it going to be out in audio as well for those that uh, like to be read to instead of read? Well, book one is already out in audio with uh, Jeffrey Kafer doing the, narr the narrating. Book two is in the process of uh, being recorded. And book three, yeah, got to finish it first. Okay. So what's your uh, your publication schedule? Are you doing um, just as quickly as you can get them? Or are you alternating them around other series and books? He would like them as fast as I can do them. And, you know, I would love to give him that, but I owe my fans something as well. So I'm writing two books for him and one of my own, and then going back and doing two for him. So for one of your own, are you going back to the um, Imperial Marines, which is the pre-fall tarot from Empire of Bones, or are you doing the main series? The last gap that I had, I wrote book one for him and then uh, turned around and wrote the Imperial Marines book. I wrote two books for him. I'll finish that at the end of this month and I'll go write the Imperial, uh, the um, Empire of Bones novel. So I'll give him two more. Then I'll go back to Imperial Marines. Okay. So you alternate. Are you still yes. uh, planning on the um, spinoff that you had talked about with the uh, Empire of Bones? No. With, uh, I, no, I would love to do that. I just do not have time. <clears throat> Yeah, that'd take a lot of oversight to get the canon right. So, and yes, time time is an essence. But we uh, we do promise the readers that these uh, these anthology short story interviews will be quick, and I promise you that as well. So, um, as this interview winds down, was there anything that we didn't ask about Warfish that you wanted to tell the the listeners? If you have not read any books about service in World War II, do yourself a favor. And go buy yourself a copy of Warfish. I think you'll find it enjoyable. That's what I think. Okay. And uh, we didn't talk about it, so I'm going to throw this out there real quick. Is what cool thing about these this easing that that Fanning Goat put out. In addition to the art in the short story, they also put um, White Star, which is the old uh, white box sort of original style D and D type system, and they've got some game content in there and some stat blocks, and so you could you know use that to incorporate in your game. Or use it to set up your own uh, game version of the Warfish story if you wanted to, which is kind of cool. Um, he's got a little bit of everything and all of the all of the zines. So uh, if you like gamings or you like short stories, I, I suggest you check them all out. But um, I would be remiss if I didn't remind you, dear listener, to uh, please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books, and you can find this easy over at Drive Through RPG. Uh, where you can also review them after you read them. And, and Terry wants nothing but five stars from me because it is awesome. Well, so, thank you. I'll take all the five stars I can get. Absolutely. And I know at some point in time, I've, uh, when we interviewed Mike Lafferty about this one, um, he did say that there was plans in the future after he had a, you know, X number out, that they're going to put a bound copy together uh, with a Kickstarter. So if you want to get the compilation in hardback, that will be available at some point, but support them now and, and buy these. These are amazing. You can't get so, to the hardback unless you buy the stuff to get there. Yes. Uh, you, if you want the authors to keep producing certain things, you have to show them with your money that you like it. So, all right, Terry, how can listeners find you on the wild, wild interwebs? You can find me on Amazon. I'm the, ter the only Terry Mixon writing science fiction. And you can see my face right here. My picture is on my page. You can also find me at terrymixon.com. All right. And you can find us, dear listener, on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email the show at blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Again, blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. And Doc will be happy to answer those emails for you. Uh, so just be 
polite and you know you're not talking to me so you can use your manners uh you can find us on facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast again backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast you can find our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tack and tack blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month or you can support the show over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. I promise if you put it in the show notes or in the notes that it's for the podcast, I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber, duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. And if Doc was here, she'd tell you she ain't no quitter. So uh, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. All right, Terry, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, man.